This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Okie dokie, folks, welcome back. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and for the next hour, I'm going to try my best to not get too stumped. I'm one of those kind of guys who learned a lot in college, learned a lot while I was with Extension Service, learned a lot from you, constantly learning new stuff. But I don't know at all. And some stuff I forgot or just can't remember. That's okay. We're going to give it a go. And if you get stumped, somebody's going to call us up and help us both out. That's the way it goes if you're real. And uh, we're going to try to be as real as we can this last July weekend. And because it's a call-in program, it's a live program, we're going to start right off the bat by talking with Jim, calling from Jackson. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. Howdy, howdy. I took your advice and I bought some um, one foot by one foot planters to allow my grandchildren to grow some herbs in in the backyard. Uh, yeah. And uh, one of them was a parsley plant. It was just so full and thick and producing all kinds of parsley for us. I came out one day and there was nothing left except some stems. And uh, apparently, some type of worm just likes parsley and stripped that plant down to nothing. And then, ironically, about about three days later, there was this beautiful butterfly sitting on those stems. Could it be that Could it be that the worm that ate those stems turned into that beautiful butterfly? And if so, well, they sacrificed the parsley for that butterfly. Well, well, first of all, congratulations. I hope you hope hope the kids are learning about ecology and biology and botany and insects and all that stuff because that's that's part of growing. That's part of exposing kids to gardening and learning about stuff like this. Uh, to answer your question directly, that caterpillar, whatever whatever cut your parsley down, it may have actually been a rabbit or something uh, because usually you'll see the caterpillars on there for three or four or five days before they completely wipe it out. But after they finish, when the caterpillars reach their, their last stage, they drop into the ground and become uh, pupa, uh, sort of like cocoons. But it takes uh, a couple of weeks or so for them to change, or more, to change into butterflies. So it's just coincidental. You have probably a swallowtail butterfly uh, that's, that's, that's attracted to the parsley and is laying more eggs. So uh, you might want to take the, the, the kids to a, uh, to a garden center and get either some parsley or fennel or uh, things like that because they're not just they're not just partial to parsley, but fennel is a good one for those also. But it sounds like just a parsley worm, and, and uh, there's not much you can do about it except get more. Uh, and incidentally, parsley actually does better over the winter for us than it does over the summer. So it's probably on the on the edge of kind of petering out anyway. So I think it's a, all in all, it's a good thing. I just hope the kids learn something. Instead of got disappointed by what they see as failure. Well, they learned about nature and how one part of nature can uh, eat another part. Yeah, how old are they? How old are How old are they? Six, seven, and eight. They're old enough to uh, to 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 draw a butterfly to caterpillar. Then, 
and uh, maybe color them and stick them on, you know, make a little small placard, a little thing, and stick it sort of like a, uh, the size of a seed packet and stick it out there. You know, in other words, let them visualize the caterpillar and the, maybe the cocoon and the, and the butterfly and stick them out there in the garden. That way they'll be well, reminded of that whole process. We still have basil and oregano uh, and, and mint that was untouched by the caterpillar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, uh, uh, swallowtails, uh, different different butterflies are partial to different host plants that they lay their eggs on. And certain kinds of swallowtails, they're they're so they're so common on parsley. They're actually called parsley worms. Uh, I actually had a friend who who grew herbs commercially, and uh, because she was organic, she couldn't spray anything. And when the caterpillars were eating her parsley, they were eating her crops, so she had to get rid of them. And because she didn't want to spray, she plucked them off and sort of mashed them a little bit. She said because the worms smell like parsley, which they ate, she can't eat parsley anymore because it smells like worms to her. <laughs> uh, do you have an email address that I can send you a photo of uh, my strip plant? Yeah, but I, I can draw you a picture of it. It's uh, stalks with no leaves left on it. <laughs> this happens. This this happens in my garden every year. They they completely wipe my my parsley and my fennel out. They complete, but the plants come back. Oh, so I I should I should keep watering these stalks and let them come back. Yeah, yeah, they'll come back. Matter of fact, parsley typically sort of shuts down in the summer and it perks back up in the cooler weather of the fall. Like I said, I grow parsley over the winter and it makes a, a plant the size of a basketball. Whereas in the summer, it just sort of struggles through there. Sort of like uh, it's related to carrots and they just sort of shut down when it gets hot. So yeah, water them and they'll come back out. Well, maybe I can teach my grandchildren about how plants can revive themselves. Yeah, and don't, don't forget to get them to draw some colors and stuff. You know, gardening is it involves art and, and everything. So get them to, you know, that'll keep them busy. Give them something to do. Thanks, Felder. All right, appreciate it. Good to hear from you, Jim. All righty, folks. We'll have to talk with you about stuff, and we're going to talk to another Jim who's up in Madison. Hey, Jim, what's going on, man? Hey, uh, this is, no, I know Jim Rosenblatt. This is Jim Soames, and I was just going to reply to his uh, question, and that is that, I've had the same thing, and I read somewhere that hornworms, like you see, that will strip your tomato plant, prefer parsley to tomatoes. And so this year I've tried planting parsley around the base of my tomato plant. So we'll see how that works. Well, yeah, it's a good idea, but the hornworms get on tomatoes are the larvae of a moth, a big moth that flies. It's a sphinx moth. They sometimes call them hummingbird moths because they float, they, they fly around at night, pollinate moonflowers and, and four o'clocks and things like that. But the hornworm and the, the, is a completely different creature than the, than the caterpillar that gets on the parsley. But it doesn't hurt to plant them side by side. Yeah, we'll give it a try. All right, thanks a lot. All, All right, appreciate it, Jim. Thank you. Uh, Java, there's a lot of people struggling with their gardens right now. You know, I, I, I don't even know what to say because my garden suffers too. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of par for the course when you tap out at 100 degrees every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people are, 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 you know, of course, we in the South, we're sort of used to this. We have, you know, up 90s, upper 90s, 100 degrees every July and August, or what we normally do. It doesn't mean it's not serious, uh, and it doesn't mean that you should give up on the garden because we're right in the middle of, of the we're, – we're at the beginning of planting stuff for fall. 
you know, it's hard to believe, but it's not but uh, uh, four weeks until September. So, you know, it, it, uh, the relief is, is in sight. Meanwhile, I've been telling folks, don't give up on the garden. Water wisely. Don't water all the time. A lot of people say they water every day. You don't have to water every day. If you water really, really well, that means watering a couple of three times a few minutes apart to let the water really soak in. You can go twice as long or longer before you have to water again. So don't keep plants. Don't train them to be thirsty. Train them to have a good deep root system by watering really well. Let them struggle a little bit before you do that again. But particularly with the lawn, lawns right now, having a hard time. If you don't have a lot of rain, uh, what we call turf grass, St. Augustine, Bermuda, even Zoysia, centipede, they're Asian plants. They're not used to this kind of weather. And uh, if it gets really, really dry, they'll actually go dormant. They'll, they'll turn yellow, they'll shut down, but they'll pick back up later. The problem is weeds keep growing. Weeds love this kind of weather. So if you want to keep your grass healthy and thick, if you never water, you ought to at least once a month. Every three or four weeks, a good soaking is all a lawn really needs to be to stay healthy. Every couple of weeks is fine. More than once a week, and I'm talking to folks with automatic irrigation systems. Uh, irrigation systems are watery delivery devices. They're not artificial life support. If you have a, 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 an irrigation system, turn it on, let it run a while till water starts to run off, shut it off for an hour, turn it back on, water really deep, and to shut it off for at least a week. Every extension publication from the Carolinas to Florida to Texas, they all say you shouldn't water your grass more than once a week. Do it really, really deep. So don't use your system on a timer. Use it when your grass needs it. Good deep soaking every week or two is better for the grass than watering two or three times a week. And yeah, I do know what I'm talking about. Back in the 1970s, I installed irrigation systems in Southern California. Been doing this a long time. Anyway, I'm not going to argue with anybody. What are you going to do? But the number one thing you can do to help your lawn this time of year, believe it or not, is to raise your mower. (laughs) I I don't mean mow all the time, but if you normally mow close, that stresses the grass. It cuts off its shade and its energy systems. So in the summertime when it's hot and dry, the recommendation by turf people is to raise your mower. This helps the grass cope with heat and drought. I'm just throwing that out. And uh, by the way, um, if if you're seeing some brown in your yard, it's more than just drought. There's two critters that are cra- uh, 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 cracking up right now. If you got Bermuda grass, you might be seeing army worms. One moth can lay dozens and dozens and dozens of eggs. And what looks like a perfectly good lawn one day may be teeming with little caterpillars the next day eating your grass. Now, it can be kind of freaky looking, and it bothers people. But the truth is, if you want to spray them, you can spray them. But for the most part, armyworms are fairly temporary, and Bermuda grass will recover. It'll come back out. Give it a good soaking, a little shot of fertilizer. It'll come back stronger than ever. So you don't have to spray if you have a lot of armyworms. On the other hand, St. Augustine, we're starting to see chinch bugs. Chinch bugs are bad little critters. They are a type of stink bugs. They're real small, not much bigger than a big ant. They look black and white because they're dark and they cover their, they fold these white wings over the back. Tiny little things. They move like ants. Hard to catch because they're skittish. Uh, but little tiny stink bugs, as they feed on St. Augustine, they actually inject a poison, a toxin that kills the grass. 
So you can have chinch bugs, and it, here's the symptom. Grass is turn, turned yellow and brown in patches, and it's real ragged. There's not a curve to it like a fungus would make. It's ragged areas in a brawling hot sun in the middle of summer. That's like they be chinch bugs. You can spray for them. Uh, anything that will kill ants will kill these things. A liquid spray is always better. But if you spray, you need to repeat the spray in five or six days or a week to catch any that hatched out from eggs. Two sprays. And understand that you may spray and get all of them, but because they poison the grass, it may turn yellow for a few more days. So if you got St. Augustine, the big, sudden, raggedy patches of dead-looking grass, I suspect chinch bugs, and you really need to take action because um, uh, it's hard for St. Augustine has been poisoned to recover. Hate to sound all negative, but that's just sort of part of it. A java is just part of garden. You know, you plant stuff out there, and, uh, you know, fire ants and stink bugs and deer, don't even get me started. But if you have questions about lawns or flowers or vegetables or anything that has insects or diseases, give me a call. Or during the week, call your county extension office. That's what they're there for. I retired from that, and uh, that's where I learned a lot of my stuff. If you have questions about pests in the garden, Extension Service will tell the truth without trying to sell you anything. Go online or or else just call your county extension office. And now it's answers to questions no one has asked. Or answers to unasked questions. I think we change we change the title every week. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things, Java. You know, a, a lot of times, I, uh, people, I, I come up with stuff that I'm thinking about that I learned in college, or that I see all the time, and nobody asks about it. You know, but and it's a it's stupid stuff. Really, you don't really need to know. And this one is this is the time of year when people are thinking about pruning shrubs, especially azaleas, because azaleas are getting long and leggy. And if you prune them too hard, or if you prune them too late, you get no flowers next year. Uh, so a lot of times, this time of year, people are cutting their shrubs back. And the question is, uh, what what makes shrubs bush out when you prune them back? Uh, you know, and here's the answer: it's cellular cellular redifferentiation. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. I can't say it right. Cellular redifferentiation. You got plants that are growing long and skinny stems, and they don't do anything. They just keep growing long and skinny stems. And there's a hormone being produced in the tip of that growth that suppresses new growth. It's like a bully, and it keeps new stuff from, 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 from happening. If you snip the tips off of, of stem, or if you cut it back, wherever you cut it back to, that gets rid of that that. that bully hormone, and it releases dormant buds. Every leaf joint has got a flower bud, I mean, excuse me, a bud that can stop being a stem bud and start being a, 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 a new shoot. It, the cells change. So anyway, if you want your, your plants to bush out, whether it's blueberries or azaleas or gardenias or crepe myrtles, any kind of plant that's getting long and skinny, if you cut it back right now, it will quickly put out strong new growth right where you make the cuts. And this is important with azaleas and blueberries and blackberries because what grows from now until fall is what's going to have flowers and berries next year. If you wait too long to prune blueberries or blackberries or azaleas or spring bloomers, they'll put out new growth, but they won't have time to make flower buds. So August, uh, July, 
first part of August is sort of the cutoff date for pruning spring blooming shrubs. And uh, when you do that, just understand you're you're not you're not hurting the plant, you're not cutting it back, you're releasing them of the thugs that's keeping them from from sprouting back out. It it frees them up through cellular redifferentiation. How about that, Java? No, that's all right there. <laughs> Nobody hacks yeah. about it, but it's a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, and people are really out of prune right now. You know, it's last call for pruning spring blooming things. Azaleas, blueberries, um, uh, blackberries. They need time for that new growth to come out and mature and set flower buds before fall. And this is sort of the last call. Summer blooming things like roses and crepe myrtles and gardenias, you can prune them right now. And they'll put out new growth and just keep right on blooming, just right on blooming. So whether it's spring bloomers or summer bloomers, this is sort of the last call for doing some pretty good pruning. And let's get it done and get it over with. Uh, now, let's go to uh, Clinton and see what Danny's up to. Morning, sir. How are you? Doing good. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Trying to trying to stay cool and hydrated. I want to thank you for that comment about uh, the fall garden because I was just about to give up on gardening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a and, tough uh, one. That, that has encouraged me to garden again. And I talked to you about whipping the okra a few weeks ago. Yeah. A friend of mine told told me to cut the limbs off. The all the way up to where the fruit was bearing. And is that the same principle we were talking about? No. As a matter of fact, there's really not any science behind that. Those leaves are energy factories. Now, you can cut the you can cut the plants back. You know, let's say they're six feet tall. You can cut them back to three or four feet tall, and they'll branch back out. But they need they need those leaves. Those leaves are what's sending energy down to the roots and stuff like that. So he, I, I'm, I, I'm not with him on that one. Switching them, beating them up, bending them, pruning them, that does make them produce better, but I'd leave the leaves on if you can. Okay. Well, I think. Hey, let me me ask you this. Did you plant uh, tomatoes and peppers this this past spring? I I did. My peppers are producing like crazy. Yeah. The reason I'm asking, because a lot of times people set out tomatoes and peppers and eggplants and all, they send them out in the springtime and they grow pretty good in the spring and then they produce pretty well and they just sort of shut down and they'll pick back up when the days get shorter and cooler in a month or so. But commercial growers, people who do this for a living, they don't try to keep those same plants alive all summer like a cotton plant or a soybean plant. They plant, they set out new tomato and pepper plants in July and the 1st of August, little plants, and if you cover cover the ground up with some leaves or something so the sun doesn't shine on the dirt and keep the roots kind of cool, a little pepper plant, a little tomato plant set down, set out this week or next will grow sturdier and stockier over the next month or so and will outproduce in the fall anything you try to keep alive all summer. So if you want to give tomatoes and peppers another shot, Go to a garden center while I still have some. Send out some little plants and put some leaves around to keep the, the ground cool. You'll be surprised at what you can produce in the fall off of stuff set out right now. It, it ain't easy. It ain't fun. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, Danny. I'm not saying you need to go out there. If you do, wear a hat and stay hydrated. But if you can set out some tomato and pepper plants the next couple of weeks, you'll be real surprised, even in some pots. My brother has given me a, a hat, big big rim hat that you put water in. If you soak it in water, and then put well, it in, that's, really, 
That really, really helps. Well, you do squeeze it out and drink the stuff that drips off the rim? <laughs> it just stick my tongue out while I'm watering. <laughs> but I appreciate I, I you, got, man. I, I've got some um, eggplants that I yeah. had uh, put the seed out, and I got the plants out in the garden there probably two weeks, two or three weeks old, and they're yeah. running everywhere. I didn't yeah. know that eggplants yeah. ran. Well, they they normally don't. They're 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 trying to make their way to the to the lake for a drink of water. <laughs> well, I water them <laughs> every other day. Yeah, give them a good deep soil. If you can put some leaves or some pine straw or some mulch around the base, you know, kind of work the dirt up a little bit and they cover the dirt up so the sun doesn't shine on it. That'll keep the ground cooler and moister, which will help your roots. You won't have to water as much, and the plants will actually grow better. Uh, you know, we were, we were raised with people planting stuff in just plain old dirt. And they did okay, but they'll do better if you can shade that dirt with something. I I found some old carpet on the street, and I put that on the on the ground to over over the uh, grass to kill the grass, and then I cut holes in the carpet and plant my plants. <laughs> Sounds like you're an old hand at this, man. Well, listen, Danny, I really appreciate it. you. Stay hydrated with that hat of yours. Okay. Thank you, and have a great day. You bet. Okay, let's slide down the Gulf Coast now and see what Joanne's up to in Biloxi. Hey, lady. Good morning. Hi, Felder. How are you? So far, so good. What's up? Oh, that's great. I have two quick questions. I was given some crocosmia. Crocosmia. You know what I'm talking Yes, crocosmia. And I planted uh, a row, and they're looking pretty terrible. I planted them last week. I've watered every day. Should I cut those leaves off um, to give the bulbs the time to time to regenerate? Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, uh, a couple of things. First of all, it is really hard because when you got these, they probably had flowers on them when you got them. I mean, they're you know, in leaves. I would cut them back a little bit, but not a whole lot. Uh, we're trying to keep them alive, but you don't want to make them start all over again. You may need to actually tie them up. But uh, the, the, don't overwater. These plants are extremely tough. If you give them a good soak in every, uh, maybe twice a week at the most, I mean at the very most, uh, that's all they need. But you may need to run a, uh, put some sticks out there with some string and just sort of, you know, sort of prop them up against a little string or something to keep them from flopping over. And then expect them to look okay. kind of bad this first year. And, and by the way, they're not going to stay in a row. Whoever gave you these probably said, you need to be careful because they'll get away from you because they ain't going to stay in a row. <laughs> they they spread like crazy. It's a great plant. Right. I just but, uh, wanted to get them started there. I know that I'll, I'll move them around the yard, you know, to different places, yeah. but I had a place that I, to get them going. And then well, is the ginger and the turmeric, I mean, a hidden ginger and a turmeric, are they part of the same family of plants? Uh, well, the hidden ginger and regular ginger and butterfly ginger are all in the same family, but they're not in the same family with the crocosmia. Crocosmia is more related, I guess, to maybe gladiolus. You know, they make a they make a corm like a gladiolus, uh, whereas the gingers have a rhizome more like an iris. That makes sense. Okay, so okay. they're more like a gladiola. That's great. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, I would, I would, I would. The ginger type plants, I would definitely mulch with some leaves or something because they like to stay cool and moist. With that crocosmia, uh, I would, I would put a stick every few feet and run 
sort of a, a couple of strings and sort of weave it around the plants to make them stand up. And then I, I wouldn't cut them back if you don't have to. Okay. Could I ask you one more quick question? Sure. I have a thornless blackberry plant that is uh, I relocated and put it, yeah. let it grow on a, a, some chicken wire. And it's just grow, growing crazy. Should, uh, of course, I know it's not producing now because that has already done that. Should I trim? I just heard you talk about trimming it back. Go ahead and trim that yes. back a couple of feet. Yes. Okay. Okay, no, no. Uh, the, we we have a we have a, a a big thornless blackberry at the agriculture museum in Jackson at the uh, at at the, the uh, herb garden, and it gets huge, loaded blackberries. But we just cut it back this week to waist high. If yours isn't waist high, cut it halfway back. All the stuff that's on it now that have berries is not going to produce next year. It's the new stuff that grows the rest of the year that's going to have berries. So go ahead and cut it back to, to two or three, four feet tall. Let it put out new growth the rest of this year. That's what will have you berries next year. Okay. And it's really a spreading plant too, isn't it? Because I've relocated it and it still has shoot coming in the bed that it started from. It depends. It, it depends on the variety. There's several. Some, some are run crazy. Some don't. But I don't know what variety you've got. So I don't know. But anyway, mostly they're upright. They're bush height rather than 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 crazy runners. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All righty. Enjoy. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye bye. Let's slide up to South Haven, almost to Memphis. Talk with a Rebecca. Rebecca, what's going on? Good morning, Felder. I want to thank you for sharing that about pruning because every spring when the azaleas get through blooming, I would rush out there and cut them down below my knee so I wouldn't be cutting them too late. I'm yeah. like, I don't have to yeah. do that. I can wait. I can wait till the burning heat of August to do it. Well, well, no, it's not. What you did is better. But have you pruned them since then? No. Okay, what happens, if you notice, you go out there, where you cut them off, they spread them back out, but they've got, you know, they, they're, they're long and skinny. And if you don't do anything, they're going to bloom at the ends of that in the spring. So what you can do now is the stuff that grew this spring, you can cut it back an inch, two inches, you can cut it halfway back, but cut this year's growth back a little bit, and in turn, each of those stems will branch out. You'll have more compact plants with even more flowers next year. So when you prune them hard in the spring, go back in the summertime and just prune the new growth. It'll be so much thicker, so many more flowers, but go ahead and get it done soon. Okay. Now, I've got what I called you about. Um, I've got thyme and lemon thyme, and the thyme is in a fairly shady place, and it's in the ground. I mean, it gets, you know, five hours, six hours sun, something like that. Yeah, yeah. The lemon time is in almost full sun, and it's in a container, and um, it looks just like that man was talking about his parsley. It's just yeah. them coming up. Yeah. And I'm like, is lemon time a weaker plant than thyme, or what, what well, happened there? Well, the, the, the plant we call thyme, there's a whole lot, just like there's a lot of different kinds of mint, there's a lot of different kinds of thyme. None of them 
like it in Mississippi. They don't like it. They'll grow okay, but they like it in cooler places, even up north. It grows better in Canada than it does in in Memphis. It grows well in California and England where it stays cool. doesn't like our hot, hot, our heat and humidity. It tends to get diseases, and the leaves fall off. So what you can do is you can prune it just like a little bush, and it'll sprout back out just like you can mint. Um, And the main thing is try not to keep it too wet. Uh, even though you have to water it here in the south, and because it's so, you know, it's, it's not a, a real sturdy plant, you got to water it. But try not to keep it wet. But go ahead and prune it back a little bit. And I think if you just prune part of it, you'll see it'll put out all new growth and do a whole lot better. But the container one, I would move it out of the brawling hot sun this time of year, where I guess maybe it's the morning or late late afternoon sun. But it really doesn't like this humidity that we have with all the heat. That's what gets thyme and rosemary and, and uh, plant, plants like that. They just hate the combination of heat and humidity that we have here. So prune it back, maybe move that container over to where it doesn't get quite boiling hot sun. Let's see how it does. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it. Okay. Let's slide down to Jackson. Barbara, how are you doing today? Staying, staying cool? Yes. Hey. Hey, Phil. <laughs> how are you? I'm fine. What's going on? Um, I have questions about ligustrum. Uh, we have a lot of ligustrum around our house that we use for privacy between the house and the street and our neighbours. And we lost all the leaves in the frost. Uh, we were told that they'd come back and to leave them. And they've kind of come back a little bit, but they're very skinny now. And, they, and they're sparse. And they're, they're between maybe 12 and 15 feet high. So they're very yeah. old. Yeah. And so the question is, do we, you know, they're not giving us the privacy we need. We tried yeah. planting little ones underneath, but they're going to take years to do. So I, do we try cutting them back now, or do we just have yeah. to give up and replant? That's my question. No. How, well, let me ask you, how long has it been since you were in England? Oh, well, I was there about a week ago. But you know, but 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 you were down. You're from down south in England too, aren't you? I am from the London. I, area, I, I can tell because I'm up in Lancashire. It's a whole different accent up here. But uh, anyway, to answer your question, you know, you know, England has always been well known for its privet hedges. You know, nice, tightly pruned privet hedges. That's a type of ligustrum, yes. and just like you can prune privet. Uh, as hard as you want, and it puts out new growth, the the larger leaf ligustrum does the same thing. However, it's getting a little bit late. Middle of August is sort of the cutoff for pruning shrubs hard, for them to have time for the new growth to come out and thicken up and mature before fall. So if you want to thicken them back up, the only way you can do that is cut it below where you want it to grow back up to. It's only going to sprout out right where you make the cuts. So you may need to prune, let's say, every other one really, really hard. And the, in between, sort of prune them a little bit, and then you can swap that next year. But if you want to prune them hard, let's go ahead and get it done the next couple of weeks. And then when the new growth does come out, just as soon as it comes out a few inches long, snip the shear it like you would a hedge so it branches out instead of shooting up long and tall over. You still have time to cut it hard if you get right on it and then lightly tip prune the new growth sometime in September or so. And they'll be nice and, and do full you, do you, before do you fall. Trim it all around? Would you trim all around? Would you trim the pots and the sides? I mean, do you trim cut everything hard back? 
Well, it, it really depends on what you want. You know, uh, if, if you want it to be a thick hedge, go ahead and cut it, cut it down like you would a hedge and let it sprout back up and then cut the new growth and it will thicken up and it'll become a new hedge again. But, you know, you can prune just one or two branches, which wherever you make a cut, any stem you cut is going to branch out right there. So cut some low enough to grow back up where you want it. And if you don't feel like okay. doing the whole thing like a hedge, you know, just, just uh, it's sort of like, Plucking eyebrows, just cut some here and there below where you want them to. Whatever you want to sprout out, cut it right there or below there. Right. Lovely. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. How about that, Java? I even knew what part of English she was from. Yeah, and you picked it out real smooth. I like that, Felder. That was that was great, man. <laughs> you know, it's 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 so weird, but uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time over here, and in the south of England, they're sort of like our New England, like Boston and Philadelphia and New York and all like that, and they have a different way of talking than southerners do well it's the other way around people down south in england make jokes about how northerners talk so <laughs> it was just like i had somebody from boston calling me just then <laughs> so anyway what's what's going on man yeah let's go um to our next caller this is chris chris i, chris. I don't know where he's calling from where are you calling from chris richton richton all right what's going on down there oh felder oh you know where I can get some four o'clock plants? Not plants, but they come up pretty quick from seed. You know, almost every seed rack, whether it's at a garden center or a box store or a, or a hardware store, any place got a seed rack, they'll have some four o'clock seeds on there, and they'll sprout pretty quick. You might want to soak them overnight, but I don't know anybody that sells the plants because they grow from like a, it's almost like a sweet potato, like a tuber, almost like a sweet potato. So uh, you're going to have to grow them from seed. Now, if you know somebody's got some, you can cut them back, dig up that tube, remove it, and before you make it back to the house, they sprout it back out. Mm. Yeah, we so planted some seed. Uh, we planted some seed earlier this year, and they come up, but they didn't get over about an uh, inch high. Uh, there's something wrong there because it, it's 4 o'clock normally a pretty tough plant. If you got pretty good dirt or pretty bad dirt, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought we well, put some topsoil, and we put them, plant them outside in the yard, and I think yeah. we put some topsoil well, in with it. Yeah, the, uh, not much I can say. If you want to give it a good soak and maybe mix it, are the plants still out there? Or are they just real little, or are they completely gone? Yeah, they're real small. They, uh, they've stunned it in some way. Yeah, what I do, um, I, I'd hit them with just a little bit of fertilizer, you know, something that you mix with water, and they're water uh, good. Don't, don't overdo it, but just a good good soaking with water with a little fertilizer mixed in with it and see if that doesn't help. There's some other possibilities. A lot of people don't know that you can get topsoil or even mulch that's been tainted with weed killers. You know, this happens more than people realize, but I, I can't guess on that. only thing I can suggest would be to kind of work the dirt up a little bit, put some leaves around it, hit it with a little water and fertilizer. Let's see what happens. All right. Thank you. Okay. Good luck on it. Appreciate it, Chris. Okay. Slide back to Jackson. Hey, Gretchen. Good morning, lady. How are you? I'm fine. (laughs) Uh, That was interesting about 4 o'clock. I'm from New Orleans, and those grow like weeds in New Orleans. You can't. People who got them have lots to share. 
Right, that's true. We used to string those. Those were our beads in the olden yeah. days. So. Yeah. Okay, what, what this is about is I've got a root-bound ficus tree that I've had for like 23 years. I repotted it two years ago into a 21 diameter by 18 inch tall pot and I don't want it to grow out of that pot but it's become a root bound. How do I and what happens is is it's stopped growing per se but not the leaves are shedding right now because we had those two or three days of lower temperature and right, spikes right. are very bad for that. And then the leaves kind of, as with a wilt. What uh, so what do I do about the root bound and what do I need water or not water? Well, this this is a real tough one because uh, I spent a lot of time in the tropics, uh, Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, Southern California, worked at a garden center there, uh, uh, Africa, South America, and ficus, you park school buses under them. You can swing off of those aerial roots. They're big, big plants. They're mm-hmm. related rubber trees. And sooner or later, if you've got one in a pot, it's going to try to get to be a big tree. And you can prune the top. Mm-hmm all you want, but mm-hmm. the roots keep growing. So every now and then, you might need to do what's called root pruning. It's, it's, it's hard right. on the plant, but you pull out of the pot and basically you just saw off the bottom third or half of the, and put some and put it back in. It's called root pruning. And it's tough. It, it, if you're going to pop back, it really helps if you root prune then, because then by the time the plant sprouts back out, the roots have sprouted back out. But sometimes you need to pull it out Cut some of those old roots off, repot it, and then also you can cut this plant back to a hat rack that's got not a leaf left on it, and it'll sprout back out better than privet. It's just like a tropical privet plant. So the more you cut it, the more it branches out. So if it's wilting, if it's got any root problems, you might want to cut it back, and while you're at it, go ahead and take it out of the pot, cut a few of the roots off, and repot it. And by the time the mm-hmm. new roots grow, the top will be sprouted out. It's called rejuvenation. I've got a, a rubber tree named Big Ben. Excuse me, Big Jim. I've, I've had Jim mm-hmm. since 1974. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times right. I've, I've cut it back to just bare branches, mm-hmm. and I've completely taken out, boogered up the roots, and repotted. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And rubber tree and ficus are the same family. So that's about right. it. So it's basically from the bottom, though. Don't cut anything of the roots of the top. Well, you can you can cut any roots you want. Just don't you know? Just don't don't cut them all off. You know, but a lot right, of t- right. you know the you'll find that the you know if you could just cut some of the side roots and some of the bottom roots off, it's just like pruning the top, except you're pruning right. a, a pot shaped bottom. Right. Okay, that's good. Okay, great. It'll love you for the next twenty years. I hope. It's, it's not going to be fun. And by the way, you might want to wear some, some rubber gloves or something because some people are allergic to that late, that, that, that milky sap. It, it irritates some people. So just might want to think about that. Even the roots have got it in it. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Okay. Appreciate it. Good luck on it. All righty. I just about lost that. Here we go. Let's slide to uh, Hattiesburg now. Elizabeth, how are you doing yeah. today? I'm uh, doing fine. I'm doing fine, thank you. I'm originally from Oxford, transplanted to Hattiesburg. All righty. Well, you from from where and headed to Hattiesburg? Um, from originally from Oxford. Okay, but, Oxford. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
you know, it's, it's called Golden Eagles where you're headed. I'm just saying. Oh, no, I'm, I've been in Hattiesburg transplanted now a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've learned all the Golden Eagle to the top, all that stuff. Um, so my question is, I'm trying to plan ahead, and can I plant licorice squamagera naked ladies in the same bed that has daffodils, some daffodils, uh, salvia, and daylilies? You, you can. The only problem is, um, and, and by the way, other folks are listening. She's talking about what most people call naked ladies, or surprise them at, and, and it's starting blooming up in central North Mississippi now the, with the big pink flowers with no no leaves on them. So if people wonder what she's talking about, naked ladies. Um, anyway, the the problem with planting with other and I grow I grow daffodils and amaryllis and so many different kind of bulbs, but these have their foliage comes up in the fall, dies down in the in the spring, and it's big. And if you're not careful, if you have it too close to other plants, it'll it'll overshadow and flop over and shade out your other smaller bulbs. Okay. So that that's the only drawback. It, it makes a good size, I mean a basketball, bigger than a basketball size plant. So put it towards the back of where you have other flowers that doesn't shade them out. Okay. And like how much do I, I need to think about the circumference around, like basketball around like one specific bulb yeah. and then keep, okay, yeah. okay. And keep yeah. it to the and, back. Yeah, and also keep in mind, they have leaves in the wintertime, and the winter and the late winter, early spring, that's when they make their flower buds. They don't make it in the fall, uh, just like daffodils. When daffodils bloom, if people cut them then, it cuts down their next year's flowers because they, they make their flower bud towards the end of, before they die down. So uh, late February, March, April, they really need to have sunshine on those leaves then. So don't put it on the north side of the house, what I'm saying. It won't get any sunshine. But put yeah, it where they get winter, winter, spring, summer, and give them elbow room. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you so okay. much. All, All right. right. Appreciate it. Take Appreciate care. it. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, a lot of people call uh, the red spider lilies naked ladies, or they call the pink naked ladies Magic surprise lilies. Those are folk names. Lycoris squamagera is the pink one in the summer. Lycoris radiata is the one that blooms in the fall. They're both related. They both have winter foliage, and they need sunshine in the winter and the spring. Those are the crucial things. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's go down to uh, the Gulf Coast. Hugh, what you up to today? Hello. What's up? Hey, what's going this on? Great. It's hot down here. Uh, somebody just gave me two packages of zinnias, and I just want to throw them in the ground, put them in a pot, hope for the best. Yeah, zinnias are one of the easiest plants you can do. The only thing you need to know is they need to, the seeds need to be con- in contact with dirt and need to wet them down. It's going to take a few days, maybe a week for them to sprout. You don't have to water them, but just wet it down every day because those are little seeds and it's hot and dry. So if you just throw them on some bare dirt, whether it's in a pot or in a flower bed or in between stuff or behind your tomatoes, as long as the seeds are in contact with the dirt and you can just wet them down every day for for a week or so till they sprout, they'll do great. Okay, full sun okay? They do great in full sun. If you plant them the next uh, week or two, they have a lot of time to bloom before fall. This is a this is a, an ideal time to set stuff. But the main thing is sunshine. And don't plant them too thick because the plants, they will mostly all sprout. And uh, and they, they need a little elbow room. So don't, don't, don't throw them out there like salt on an egg. Just sort of scatter them and wet them down. Okay. Sounds good. Have fun. Thanks. Have fun. Appreciate yeah. it. 
All right. I like that last, bit of, that last bit of advice you gave him, Felder. What was that, elbow room? No, have fun. Just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, you know, I mentioned Lycoris squamagera for naked ladies. That's the Latin name. You know what the Latin name for Zinnia is? Of course I don't. It's Zinnia. <laughs> Wait a minute now. See, I should have had my rim shot ready. <laughs> well, a lot, lot, no, a lot of people say, oh, I can't, I don't do Latin names. When they say Xenia, they say Magnolia. Those are Latin names. So don't be scared. But you don't ha- need to know that the Latin name of sweet gum is liquid amber starasiflua. You don't need to know that stuff. But Xenia is a cool Latin name to know if you want to act all smart around other people speaking Latin there. So. Anyway, man, it's been kind of wild today. Yeah, it has been, man. I, I, I'm always curious because, you know, you're on the other part of the globe. What do you have for the rest of the afternoon? Because, you know, you're, you're a time ahead, and this is the, the morning for us. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's almost 4 o'clock. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to have me uh, the rest of my my uh, my, uh, pie, my meat and potato pie, my potato and chicken pot pie. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to on my hair and I'm going to go down to the pub because it's Friday night and that's what we do. You know, a lot of people don't realize pubs are not the same as a bar. They are bars, but pub is where everybody goes. Your grandmama goes there. You take your kids there. You, your dogs come in. They have watering bowls on the floor. It's a social gathering place, sort of like a fellowship hall. Anyway, this weekend I'm also going to a local, not a fancy, antsy Royal Horticulture Society show. I'm going to the local Chorley Flower Show, where it's local people growing their best carrots and onions, zinnias, cut flowers, and just showing off what local folks grow. Encourage each other to garden. And that's what we do here on MBB. The Gestalt Garden is to encourage people. You're going to fail. I fail. My garden fails. Things die. But you just keep planting. It's in our blood. It's what we need to do. So if you have a chance, take a kid to a garden center this weekend maybe maybe take them to a to a to a, a farmer's market show them how to do what we do best and that's get dirty this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand